If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, at Live on Four Legs Podcast, and on Twitter, at Live on Four Legs Pod. We just got a call on a cell phone from two people who are standing behind that American flag. It's not that they're being anti-patriotic, they just can't see anything behind you. They're being blinded by the flag, if you know what I mean. All right, this one's for you. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience, featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and uh welcome back to another show middle of november and you know we are just going to keep churning them out and this week we originally were supposed to continue on with our around the world series but there was a change in plans because america made a change in plans especially john's home state of georgia so we figured we had this one on the schedule. Why not bump it up a little bit, bring it up to this week so we can talk about it. We can talk a little bit about the runoff election and uh, talk about just Pearl Jam and their history in Atlanta and why it's been so dry for the last 10 years. So Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. We'll get to our guest in a second. But John, Hello. you have to be pretty excited that uh, this is this is Atlanta. We don't get to do a lot of Atlanta shows. I don't think... Outside of the 94 show, I don't think we've done one, have we? There, there are not many to do. And I, I only wish I had been there. You know, this was one where I was uh, I was living in Athens, and uh, I don't even remember. I, don't, I wasn't in the fan club at this point yet. So I don't think I – I think I had just quit my band, and I had gone into like a six-month cocoon where I just didn't really do anything. And uh, I think this was during that time. So I don't think I even knew about this show beforehand. I wasn't even paying attention to it at the time. I was so, like, again, deep into the, the punk rock stuff that I, that I was doing. So I hadn't, like, quite had the resurgence of, uh, of Pearl Jam in my life. But, uh, yeah, looking back on it, I wish I'd been there. You know, it's a, it's a great set list, a lot of good moments. So, yeah, it's going to be fun to talk about. Especially now since you know that, 
they've only been here once since yeah. that day. This was and, this was the last non-festival show in Atlanta. Right. That's kind of crazy to think about. And I, I think before we got on the recording, we talked about where the Hawks play, where the Thrashers used to play, uh, what used to be called Phillips Arena. I have no idea what it's called now. State High- Farm Arena. State yeah. Farm. Okay, thank you. But crazy to think that 17 years have gone by and Pearl Jam has not been back to Atlanta, yeah. Yeah. which is why we said – on the show last week, you know, after Atlanta, uh, or I should say Georgia flip blue, I think it's, it's, it's now due time that the band give the state and the residents of Atlanta, their, their, you know, their deserved, uh, reward. Yeah. Hopefully we got their attention. You know, that that's all we can hope for is that made it, made it on the radar and that maybe, you know, someone, someone will give it a second look. That's all I'm asking for. The cherry on top would definitely be a double win in the runoffs, and the runoffs are super important. I think if we can get on our, our you know political high horse one last time, and we swear this will be the last time, you know, non-Pearl Jam-wise that we do this for today, but it, it is so important to just notify the people of Georgia. People are going to be listening to this who live in Georgia, understand that, Voting for this runoff on January 5th is extremely important as well. Getting people and get, you know, getting the votes in for that. Like this is, this is really, this is what's going to cement the next at least two years in this presidency. And John, you can speak to it more because you are just in the thick of it right now. And you understand what's at stake more than, you know, the average person in America who really understands it. So what what should people in Georgia be doing right now to help? Well, I already requested my absentee ballot the other day, so that's that's the best thing to do. I think the deadline is is probably this week. It might even be today, if I'm not mistaken. So, but yeah, it's, I mean we're we're going to be inundated with with money from both sides. We're we're going to be have ads going nonstop. I mean, this thing is is going to go till January fifth. So yeah, there's going to be early voting. There's absentee ballot voting. So yeah, super important. You know, it, it's, we got a chance to to turn the Senate around to give Mitch McConnell the big fuck you, which I, I will certainly enjoy if that does happen. But, you know, like like we were talking about, it's it's going to be super close one way or the other. So, you know, we'll just have to, we'll have to see how it pans out. But, yeah, like even if you're not in Atlanta, you know, like I think people, you know, you can you can donate. I'm sure there are links everywhere if you if you follow social media, if you've been keeping up with the with the same people that were, were doing the general election stuff. So yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big national story the next two months. Yeah. My wife and I are actually, we're trying to do things to help as well. And, and people outside of Georgia, you know, whether they're it's text banking or phone banking. Um, my wife and I are actually sending postcards. We got, we have, uh, I think 200 addresses in Georgia that we're, we're sending it to and just being just reminders like, Hey, you know, January 5th, go out and get the vote out. So if those are things, if, if you want to help this out, uh, help out this, this runoff and, and think that this is important, those are things that you can do to help, even if you're not in the state of Georgia. So keep those things in mind. And again, that's the last of our political high horse for the day, unless our guest feels like he wants to bring it up. Um, and we will let him because this is his floor and we give it to him because he gives so much to us. Uh, let's introduce Glenn Bobby to the show. Glenn has been a patron for about a year now, I would say, and uh, has been a good patron, too. He's always discussing things on Twitter with us and getting in, involved in the conversation and people like that. It's just so appreciative that we have 
those kind of listeners that that not just want to give back but that want to be involved in the conversation so introducing glenn to the show georgia resident atlanta ish native atlanta or is it outside of atlanta well i'm from indiana but i've been here since 2000 okay all right so that's 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 close enough so welcome to the show first first time here how you feeling about this I'm excited. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I think I've been a patron for a year. Uh, I think I stumbled across your show at its inception. It, really? Just magically. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, uh, no, no, I'm glad. It, it was great. Uh, <laughs> well, you get to see the evolution, at least. <laughs> well, it, it happened to be right after I saw Pearl Jam in Boston. Mm-hmm. And I, I stumbled across your podcast. And I think, if I recall, that may have been your first show. That was our first show. Yep. Right. So I was, I was like, this is great because I was there and I had similar opinions. And yes, Ed was drunk, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but it was a great show. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I kind of feel like I've been with you guys from the very beginning. That, I mean, that, that's that's awesome because you know to know that, and I actually didn't know that you were there from the beginning. I just assumed that you know most like most people that have joined in in the conversation, they've kind of joined in. You know, the John era, the Matt era has, has really become a, a thing of the past. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked when people will mention Matt's name to me sometimes because it's like, really? People were actually listening back then? But, yeah, apparently they were. So uh, been a long time. And, and, you know, two years later, deservingly so, that we add you to the, to the show and, uh, and get you to tell your story about Atlanta 2003 today. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. So let's just dig right into it. Like going into the show, how many had you been to beforehand? Like what's, what's the story? Like, I, I think I saw the other day cause we did one of these, you know, everybody responds to, you know, whatever Twitter idea that I came up with. And I think I saw that you said your first ever show was in 94. And, right. And, right. And that Indiana or was that Tennessee? Yeah, I can't remember. Purdue university. Okay. Yeah. All right. I remember that show. So like, the expectations, you know, what, this is nine years later. How many times have you seen them? And like, what kind of fan are you at this point? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I recall seeing, uh, I think it was the alive or even flow video in the spring of 92. That's what locked me in. So I've been a fan since, you know, spring of 92. Um, but by 2003, I, I was knee deep in the project. I never really got out. I, Music, I've always loved music. Like as a child, it was Kiss. Um, in the 80s, I loved Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. I was always knee deep into music. And then music to me got really bad, very bad. Uh, you know, bands like Warrant and Firehouse killed music, <laughs> in my opinion. And so then all of a sudden, here comes Nirvana, was actually was a little before Pearl Jam for me. And then in spring of, of 92, Pearl Jam, and I, it was, to me, it was life-changing. I've, I've never altered course. I continue to dig, dig, dig. And I was, you know, back in the early days of the internet and on like, uh, was it Two Feet Thick was a website and Five Horizons was there. And uh, there was another one, but I, you know, I would scroll through the message boards and buy all the magazines, but, but, to your question by 2003 you know it, it had been five years since i'd seen them i last saw them when i was in school at michigan state i saw them in east lansing in 98 
I take that back. I saw them in 2000 in Atlanta too, but it, it had been a while. But not, in 2003, there was such political angst in the air. And of course, Pearl Jam always has their pulse on those issues. So there was just a tour that I was so pumped to see because I just knew it was going to be something special. Because if I recall, I had read like the night before or two days before they played in Nashville. Yes, Nashville. And that show got a little, you know, they got it, squirrely too. It did. Yeah, that was one of the Bush Leaguer shows. So you had right. the Denver show was the first one. And that's really where it all kind of started. And I think Nashville was like, can we still do this? Can we do this? And then once they got to Nassau, they were just like, nope, can't do this anymore. Right. So, yeah, so I was, you know, I knew they're in the South. They're going to push buttons. This is going to be awesome. And it was. And it was a politically charged show. Yeah, that's that's a lot of anticipation and and really right act like that tour was so huge from a standpoint of just how many dates that they had. And, and you know, I, I always talk about 2003 just sort of being their their breakout almost. And, and I don't want to make it seem like, you know, because 92 is really their breakout. But I, I think as a touring band and as a legacy band, 2003 is really where they felt most comfortable and became themselves the most. You know, the Ed that you see in 2003 is very much, you know, it, it doesn't really differ too much than uh, the Ed that you see today. You know, maybe he was a little bit more pissed off back then and he's not dad Ed yet, but like they're still he's getting more comfortable talking to the crowd and he does talk to them in a, a couple times in the show. Uh, pretty important. So uh, we will get to all that. Um, anything else like just kind of prior to the show, just any stories going into it, seats, 10 club stuff? Yeah. Well, so, so for me, uh, you know, I, I would go to to shows with my wife and she couldn't go to this show because she was eight months pregnant. So she didn't go. Uh, and then actually the day before this concert, I'd gone to a friend's father's funeral in Bristol, Tennessee. So I didn't drive back, although the concert was in my hometown. I didn't. I had to drive actually a long distance to get to the show because I was coming back from Bristol the day of the show. So, you know, it was unique to, for me that I, I traveled like six and a half hours to go see a show that was just down the street. Um, and then my wife being pregnant. And then uh, if I recall, Ticketmaster fan, or Ticketmaster, or excuse me, Ticketmaster, uh, 10 Club fan tickets they changed the entry protocol for this tour. At least they did here because seniority no longer got priority. It was almost just like a pure lottery. You didn't, you could have joined in, you know, from day one and had the worst possible 10 club seat or you could have joined the day before and had the best. I, I don't know too much about that. I know that there were some shows that had some flex and, and they had to add shows in here and there and take a show away somewhere. I think it was, I don't know if I'm mistaken on this, but I think there was a, sh a show that was supposed to happen in, in, in Idaho. That was, that was canned. I, I don't know if that had anything to do with that, but yeah, that's interesting. You bring it up because that's all stuff. I, I wasn't there for any of that. So you were able to get decent, decent seats to this, even though, you know, how long had you been in the 10 club? I uh, joined in 96, I believe. Okay. I feel like everybody joined in 96. I feel like that's the year where people realize, okay, if I, if I need anything from this band, whether it be Christmas singles, whether it be uh, going and, and getting tickets, like I have to be a 10 club member. I, 96 right. is everybody's year. 
Yeah. And I, if I recall, it was $10 a year, I think. It was cheap. I mean, it's, it's not expensive now, but it was very, I mean, it was dirt cheap. Right. And because, you know, you got the single, you didn't get the t-shirts like you do now, but right. I mean, you, you did get the Christmas single. And, and of course, access to, to the tickets and coming off the heels of the ticket maker, ticket master issues, you wanted every edge you could get to get a, because you didn't know when it was going to change again for the band. Right. Of course. Yeah. Before we start, I just want to go over a little event that's happening tonight featuring our friends Black Circle. Uh, You guys know them. They were on the show not too long ago. They got to talk about their brand new album, Mercury. That's for sale. Go check it out. It's an outstanding album. Definitely go purchase it. And uh, if you are familiar with the album, if you're familiar with the band, they do a tremendous job, uh, especially during their live streams, but none more important than what's happening tonight. They are being featured on the Venture Into Cures live stream that has like a whole magnitude of names that, uh, you know, from A-list celebrities and uh, and popular musicians that are being involved in this charity for function so uh black circle is going to be doing the pre-show at seven o'clock you won't want to miss it seven o'clock eastern make sure you tune in uh to catch black circle and then after black circle you'll get performances and messages from you know names all across uh the the universe of of comedy and uh and music such as adam levine and and judd apatow jimmy kimmel adam sandler david letterman glenn hansard willie nelson and of course Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder's going to be there, and uh, he's going to be performing two new songs. One is called A Matter of Time, so you won't want to miss all that. Once again, Black Circle, you're going to want to check them out at 7 o'clock Eastern Time tonight if you're tuning in on Wednesday. All right, uh, let's get into the show and talking about the songs a little bit here. And the way they kick off the show is an opener that's really, to me, one of the one of my favorite openers that they do. Uh, doesn't get utilized enough, especially in the opener role, only 12 times. And this was the fifth time that they did it. And Riot Act is really known uh, for having the song as the opener because everybody remembers Live at the Garden. And how does it, how does the show begin? Let the show begin. Love Boat Captain uh, kicks it off. And uh, I, I love it. I mean, what, what's when, you know, this is your first, uh, you know, appearance that you're seeing them after the album comes out, you kind of, what is it like six months of hearing the album? So what are you anticipating when you want to hear Ride Act songs? Is this one that you really wanted to hear? Uh, to be honest, then no. Okay. Then no. Now, it, absolutely, yes. You know, I'm you know, almost 20 years older, so the song is just taking a new meaning to me, and I really appreciate I like the song a lot more now than I did then. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I was kind of hoping for something my way as the opener. Okay. Interesting. I don't know if they've ever opened with that. They, they have, have, but I just... I just thought it'd be a perfect opener, and they've not done it. Well, you did get it, which is nice. I got it, yeah. And we'll get yeah. to that in a little bit. I was thinking what you said. I, I love this opener. I've I've never seen this song in the in the nine shows I've been to. So, yeah, this is this is the one for me that I, I wish I'd been there to see this. And even the crowd early on, we talked about, you know, later versions, the Sal Paolo version being you know, one of the most important versions of the song. But they're they're still doing the, the call and response with that, you know, the love, love love they're still doing that um and although this song hasn't been played a lot lately they're picking up on stuff like that which i love 
and they were playing it almost every night. Like if you go back and look, like Lumpo Captain was every every show. Like they they were almost breaking out four out of five, almost nine out of ten. So yeah, they were definitely comfortable with it. It's unfortunate because Love Boat Captain hasn't really... It's been played just under 100 times, but it hasn't really had this breakout success like maybe a Savior and I and mine have had post-Riot Act, but it still has had enough presence, you know, more than a Get Right or a Ghost. Yeah, a few times a year. It's one of those that, that gets a little more rare every year. Yeah, it's one. Of, I, I think when we talk about... Uh, we mentioned this maybe with Fatal that you need a special moment for it to be the right moment with the song. I feel right. like that's it. Right. You need the special moment, the right moment to, to get up. This one is a good one to kick you off right into a really solid, just driving section of Corduroy, Save You, Hell Hell, Grievance. If you like Pearl Jam, you like those four songs and you like them all in a row. Um, Five Horizons, the, the thing that I want to put out right away on this five horizons notes and this was very you know simplistic and not getting into detail here but five horizon notes that corduroy had a lyric change and the way that they had wrote it there doesn't seem to be any you know editing going back and saying hey this is when they started doing it but the way that they wrote it made me think this might have been the moment where they had started saying that. Yeah, I think the the Iraq War had definitely started by this time. I don't remember the exact the exact day, but yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me. So it's it's just funny that you know we kind of you know that that's a pretty pivotal moment. Everybody knows now during their shows. It's kind of like though, of course she is in alive you know when it's coming and you know that it's sort of a part of the song that's not in the album. If, if you see somebody next to you that's not singing piece in that section, you're like, okay, you don't go to shows. That's kind of, or you don't listen to bootlegs. That's kind of the difference between there. So, you know, I know it doesn't really have anything to do with, you know, and, and I'm sure asking you like, oh, do you remember that at the time? Probably not. But like, it's a pivotal moment for this song going back to this moment. If this is the first one going back to it saying like, this is all where it all kind of developed. But uh, let me ask you, Glenn, uh, these four in a row to really kick you off your, you know, eight rows from the stage. Like this, this feels great, right? It, it was great. You know, I mean, it, Corduroy, you know, top five favorite program song for me. Save You was my favorite song off of Riot Act. Uh, Hail Hell, you know, top five broken song for me. So, you know, I come out, you know, I get two top fives and my favorite song off the current album right off the jump, uh, which was awesome. And and they're so aggressive and, and they were dialed in. And then they, you know, they, and not to jump ahead, but they, they slowed it down with the, with the song after Hail Hell. But then Ed, you know, we'll get into it, but the show turned about that point in time. And it really got aggressive, just like those three songs were aggressive the entire night. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Grievance after Hell, Hell. And that kind of that, that's a great way to 
kind of phrase all that it was just a very aggressive section the beginning of Sabu kind of exploded right from the get-go into the clapping part and you know it, it kept that you know tenacious energy and and grievance which is just a buzzsaw of a songs and and the, even this version of hell hell i thought was a really special highlight from the show um yeah this whole thing like kind of feels like the attitude that they're they're going for here is about to change the way that they're expecting to yeah save you is becoming one of my favorites to listen to when we do these shows that this this is a really good jeff version of save you it it drops out to everything but his bass and it's just growling he's, you know he's just he's got his head down he's he was just tearing it up i that that, that was one of the highlights for me to listen to There's a little lyric change in grievance too. start a show with these four songs especially grievance almost never gets played anymore so uh to to get something like this nowadays would would definitely be a little bit more of a uh, of a gem but a great way to start the show here and all right this is an interesting part really early to the show and it's kind of one of the 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 early talking points here uh ed says hello to everybody after a pretty you know compelling section aggressive like you just said uh he says they have fond memories of Atlanta. Glad he thinks so at the time. Uh, and he mentions that uh, this is the last time that they're playing outside on this tour, which is is interesting uh, to note because a lot of the second leg shows, I believe, were outdoor venues. So, but also April, June, July. Yeah, that's there's a difference there. But mentions uh, that there are two people standing behind a huge American flag. And they aren't being unpatriotic, but they they can't see anything and they want this flag removed. Yeah, this is this is one of the points here. Um, We talked a little bit about them being political in the show. What do you remember from this and what do you take away from this, Glenn? Yeah. So I, I when he mentioned the flag, obviously, I, as most everyone else did, turned around to look and see what he was talking about. And 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 Lakewood Amphitheater, which is now. High, high five eyes it, it has the, the traditional like most amphitheaters the grassy knoll the the hill and up on the hill near the top were people holding a giant american flag and it was a big flag and it was clearly blocking people behind the flag which is what i think ed dialed in on but 
it seemed like he had picked up on that during grievance. You can just tell when he finds his moment, something sets him off and changes the entire tone of the show. It kind of happened during grievance. Um, and like, I mean, as soon as the song ended, he, he jumped right on the topic of that flag. And like he mentioned something about people being blinded by the flag. This, may, this show may have been the birth of, uh, of, of, of using the word peace in corduroy, but you know, it, this tour was definitely the birth of what Pearl Jam is now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one thing where like there, there are these moments in, in these shows that we talk about where, where the mood changes, right? Like the intensity either ramps up or like sometimes it'll, it'll go the other way where they'll loosen up and they'll, they'll just start feeling it and start getting playing around and doing things. But yeah, I can, I can imagine, you know, being in this, and you know, they, they definitely have, you know, preconceived notions about playing down here, you know, as, as far as what the crowd's going to be and what the, what the atmosphere is going to be like. So yeah, I'm sure they were, I'm sure, you know, at least for Ed, I'm sure he was prepared to to get into it with with people you know even in in 2012 when i saw them they he was still going after like when they they were talking about that was a political show as well it was around the time of the of the election so he was he was still oh i know you guys down here you know aren't into that sort of thing but yeah i can i can see and i can i can totally picture what glenn's saying where yeah, like the intensity ramps up, the mood changes, and yeah, he gets that look on his face, and then the, and the show takes a different turn. Absolutely, that's that's a really good point, and which is weird because you're kind of going from grievance, which kind of you know that that describes everything that that you're saying here, but they have to go and and in, in the set list, it, it's tough to really make an adjustment on the fly at this point, very early in the set. But it's elderly woman, which is not really that's not the attitude that they're going for with elderly woman. So um, yeah, it's a little bit different than usual, but uh, this, this being here and did you, did you get a sense of, you know, their attitude just changing? Like maybe that this was a song that shouldn't have been played at this time. Like what, what was the sense of, of, of elderly woman at least? Well, so I did not at that, you know, at the time seeing it live, I didn't pick up on wow, elderly woman that too bad they have it on the set list now because it doesn't fit the mood. You know, I didn't register in hindsight. It does. Uh, I thought it was a great version. You know, I don't think I've ever heard a bad version of elderly woman. It's tough to get one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's always good. Uh, I thought they did a great version, but, but what happened was, you know, during grievance you could tell ed zoned in on that flag and he couldn't wait to talk about it and then he did and then you know he i remember he grabbed the mic and and spat you know which we've all seen him do and that was going into elderly woman which i just remember thinking that's odd because it i didn't know what was coming next and i thought oh maybe here's gonna be blood or something because he looked like you know he was getting ready to to get after it and then the it was elderly woman. And yeah, it's, it, that's interesting. Maybe it was, he maybe caught himself, you know, as far as, because yeah, I mean, it, you know, you go back to, you know, the Uniondale, the Nassau Coliseum being, you know, what, 11 days later, you know, where things would get a lot heated. So, you know, it, that, that might've been, this might've been the precursor of him, like kind of building this up and kind of wanting to let loose on a crowd at some point, you know? Yeah. Right. And 
Yeah, it, it didn't really happen at this one. There's a moment a little bit later that's kind of more, I guess, more comical and more lighthearted. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it, he doesn't go off. And, I, and maybe it's that energy that, you know, Nashville was the night before and Nashville had a lot of that tension. And maybe he was just kind of like, OK, we need a little bit of a break from this. And maybe that that's he was trying to get away from that. And that's why the flag was really pissing him off at this one. I agree. I was. I think you're right. And I didn't think of that until you mentioned it. But I think after the Nashville show, he just wanted to calm down. Mm-hmm. Just, and just then, play. Yeah. And then he got triggered. <laughs> <laughs> as as always happens. And you know what? I think the and Ed has said this himself before, the best shows or the best moments and shows are the ones that aren't on the set list that he doesn't plan and they have to adjust on the fly or he sees something. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a great point to bring up, but you know, after elderly woman, we get these back to back, you know, just Mike platform songs and even flow and half full even flow being, you know, much earlier in the set that than we're used to probably like three or four songs earlier. Uh, but it's really, it becomes the Mike McCready show. This is, this is very early on in this hot streak that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Buffalo, Albany, Nassau Coliseum, state college, were all just in fuego. Mike McCready, even flows. This was a little shorter. It didn't have that same, like, whoa intensity as Nassau did but it's still fantastic and you know I think they take a lot of that energy and that edge to a song that was very politically charged and half full and you know you can kind of put pair them both together and, and get that energy yeah I mean to get even flow and half full back to back Mike McCready I mean that's steak and baked potato right there you know that was fantastic and, and How Full was a song that on the album I liked, but I wasn't, you know, it was not one of my top songs on that album until I saw it live. And then I was like... Yeah, I feel like you need the presence of Mike for that yeah. song. Because I, I thought I, I've only seen it once, but the one time I saw it, I was thinking to myself, how come I haven't been putting this in, in higher favor in, in its what? track 13 off right act it kind of wears on you after a while if you you listen to it too much uh but yeah this is this is a much better live song right act has its songs that don't work as well live like we talked about ghost last week sometimes it doesn't work get right sometimes didn't work half full was one of the ones that worked right i'll piggyback on what you guys said about half full this this version of half full blew me away and that's not something i normally say but yeah, this one just jumped off the speakers, and I was I was blown away by by McCready playing it. It was it really this is this is one of the standouts for me. I thought it I thought it was it was even better than even before.
on another level. And I think when you build with a song like Even Flow and, and he already has that energy and he can, you know, utilize it and build to a more tension with with Half Full, I, they just, at that point, were on another level. I, this is, like I was saying before, the legacy band that they're turning into, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, legacy that they've created for themselves. Like, this is them saying, we're, we're a force. We're a force that will, is gonna stick around for a very long time. Yeah, the, I mean, this is one of the this is one of the best versions of this song I've ever heard, and we, you know, that we get that occasionally. And like you mentioned, we, we don't talk about it a lot. It's not it's not one that gets played too often, but yeah, absolutely a highlight. And and just them showing that they can they can play around with even these new songs, like they can take them and start transforming them. And they were, absolutely they were the best rock and roll band on stage in the world at this point. Uh, all right, two songs back to back right here is kind of like the wave breaking uh, section here. Uh, Thumbing my way, I am mine. Um, you mentioned before, Thumbing my way was a song that you really wanted to hear from this show. So uh, you didn't get it as an opener, but you got it right smack dab middle of the set. I, I don't think there, there's a lot of instances, and maybe a little bit more in 2003, but there's not a lot of instances where they play it middle set like this it's usually that encore cooldown so uh how are you enjoying this version and, and a couple you know really three three riot act songs back to back to back here so you're you're getting most of your album tracks out yeah so um you, you mentioned earlier that that riot act you know half full was track 13 the album kind of would grind you down right um and so I, I was—I didn't want to hear too many Riot Act songs, because. Uh, but the ones I heard were all fantastic, fabulous, and some of the standout songs for me. This being one of them, "Thumbing My Way." I mean, I, lyrically, I think that's just a pinnacle song. I get such a beautiful song. The lyrics are so poignant; they mean a lot to me. Um, and to hear it, you know, it, when you go into a show and you're like, I just want to hear this one song, I just want to hear this one song, and you get it, it's awesome. And it, it, it yeah, I, it, to be honest with you, I can't even judge the quality of it because I got to see it. Right, yeah, no, I, I love that feeling, especially when you get a new song and there's one new song that's, that's in their repertoire and you're like, you know what, that's, that's the one right there. That's the one I've been feeling like something, you know, I think off a lightning bolt for me was Getaway that I really loved and I never got, that's the only song off the album that I never got to see. Uh, but like, if I did, then I would just have this feeling like, okay, the band is on the same page as me. Like they're feeling it as much as I'm feeling it here. So I'm, I'm getting that vibe from that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, um, and I don't even recall, I don't even know if they were even playing thumbing my way routinely on that tour i don't think they played it the night before um no they didn't play it the night before 18 18 plays like at, at this point it was the 18th time you know they did japan and they did australia so like yeah that that's that's more uncommon than not i would think yeah so yeah it was 50, at least a 50 percent chance i was not going to hear it right and I, right now there was Okay, this is this is interesting. Before we get into I Am Mine, because we have kind of a uh, we have we have a no go song. <laughs> we have a song that just sort of <laughs> went kaput here, and uh, I had never heard this happen to you are before, but it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> 
basically what happens is uh, Stone's pedal or something just goes completely kaput, and all you hear is just the static, and that's you don't hear him actually playing the song. So they try it twice, and they're just like, all right, you know what? We got to move away from this and move on. Um, <laughs> did were you were you disappointed that you weren't getting you are like what was what was the general reaction because they seemed like they were you know joking around about it a little bit they seemed pretty lighthearted about the situation yeah but so so we're coming off of thumbing my way so I'm sky high right and then it, it, I hear it's going to be you are so like I'm pumped I want to hear it and I have I don't believe I've seen it live ever wow uh, almost heard it but you could tell what he was trying to play. I knew here comes you are you could tell but they could not get it right at all and if I recall they flubbed another song later on like in the encore maybe or yeah they did yeah yeah we'll get to that for you are you know it's such an such an intricate song at the time like so many delay pedals and you know effects pedals have to be going at the same time and if it if one little thing goes wrong, then it, then it's not going to work. So yeah, I think that happened, and and I think Stone comes on the microphone and says, "Oh, you know, we'll, we'll get that one sorted out for later." But yeah, unfortunately, they 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 didn't go back to it. But yeah, it would have been a cool a cool little four song right set there. That that's four good ones right in a row. And then Ed kind of mentions afterwards. He said it's uh uh it, it's supposed to be a Matt Love song and kind of transitioned and saying, "I am mine. I wrote this one." Uh, this is my version of a love song, uh, which is completely the contrasting differences are completely uh, different that Ed kind of r- writes from a different perspective than, than Matt does. But uh, I Am Mine is really that's the Riot Act song to me. You know, when you think of of Riot Act, I Am Mine and Save You are the two that really define the 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 meat and potatoes of the album. So that's that's got to be a big one for that moment. Um anything on it like i i feel like you know pretty solid version and like john and i have said in the last couple of weeks it doesn't doesn't go go past that threshold like we want it to so i would agree yeah it was great but it it's never a, and i love the song but it's never a song that overwhelms me live again i was pro, you know i was probably still reeling off of something my way at that point so, uh, all right, that kind of takes us into a section. You get some more uncommon stuff here in middle to late set. You get insignificance. Uh, 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 you know, they, they, they kept it over. They, they kept it over from uh, binaural, but, you know, not much stayed around from binaural. So to see insignificance in any set that's not 2000 seems pretty big and important. And then glorified G was brought back this was the fourth instance that they played it since in 1996 um while insignificance is one of the best performances on this night i just unbelievable uh glorified g not so much so talk about either the good or the bad what would what's your take out of these this two song section so glorified g i know is probably not a popular take in the Pearl Jam community, I love I love the song. I know a lot of people do not like it. I love it. No, they don't. You're right. I'm, I, I'm I, raising my hand. I'm, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely love the song. And, and if I recall, he mentioned something about an armory or ammun- something about ammunition. You know, he 
he was cognizant, Ed was cognizant of the fact that he was going to sing a song about guns. Uh, made a comment. Uh, th- my wife adores this song. And if, like I said earlier, she couldn't go because she was eight months pregnant. So I remember calling her and holding the phone up during the song so that, so that she could hear it. Of course, she couldn't understand any of it. But uh, so that's what I, I was just excited. That was this for me was a jump around, happy party song. It, 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 the song doesn't have a lot of fiber. I get it. I love it. It's a great song. It did have some interesting stuff going on at the end with the guitars. There was you talked about Stone a couple of times. There was some there was some interesting interplay going on between Stone and Mike at the end. There is not something you normally hear. Right. Right. That was weird. Um, but overall, I just thought it was out of sync. Like, that, you know, whether or not Matt had really, because Matt felt a little out of sync on it. Like, I feel like he was too cymbal heavy in it when Dave was a lot more uh, Tom and snare heavy with the song. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, they, they had, and granted, yeah, Matt, Matt's, Matt's had great versions of the song before. Uh, this was not one that really spoke out to me. I like insignificance from this set much. If you guys have something on that, like I, I think that's one of the highlights of the show. Yeah, it was really good, you know. And and we talk about too, you know. It's it's one of those things that that ties in with you know what Glenn was talking about with the with the political you know leanings of the set. Insignificance fits in definitely, but. For Glorified G, like you mentioned, they they just brought it back like the week before, playing it you know a few times, and this was 2003. You know everything gets brought back. You know Deep got brought back, Why Go got brought back. This was where they were just throwing stuff at the wall, and it's going to continue with the next song. But yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where yeah, you like like Glenn was saying, he he loves the song, he's happy to hear it. He, he doesn't care that that it, that it wasn't perfect. Like he just no, he, they I just know. wanted to hear the song. So. That was part of kind of the the fan service that was going on in 2003. That's this is this is right in that in that uh, in that lane. That's very true. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and it's a kind of a perfect uh, transition because the next song fits in exactly within that realm as well. Uh, you know, a little bit of an Ed speech there. He said they were on the road today. There was a big truck that was too big, but had a really great sticker, and it says, "While you're honking, I'm reloading." So that kind of is a tie-in with Glorified G, you would think. I remember those stickers. I remember seeing that. <laughs> yeah, it's. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw one tomorrow. Uh, and then he said there was another sticker that said, I went to hell, but they kicked me out. He said he hasn't read any papers in a long time, or especially around here, but if there are any serial killers that are missing, that's probably the guy. <laughs> so hope you guys caught him. The, the Chattahoochee River Killer, as opposed to the Green River Killer. <laughs> that that's just that's just par for the course down here. After after this little spiel, he says uh, this is one that we haven't played in a while. We're going to give it a try. And believe it or not, Present Tense went sixty five shows without being played before this night. How that's that's incredible to me. That's a song that is has turned into an almost every other night song, and especially from No Code, when you think of songs you know, even just going back to 2018 songs from no code that were within their, you know, just normal routine, this and Luke and were the two essentially. So this feels like it's a really good surprise and has to be one of your favorite moments from the show. And I think you even mentioned it 
uh, before yeah. that you were really into this version. So, did yeah, you so expect this, it or? I, I did not expect it. It's my, since No Code, it's been my favorite Pearl Jam song. Uh, not just because of the Michael Jordan documentary. It's, you know, it's been my favorite song for 25 years. Um, I was elated and I thought, much like thumbing my my way they could have botched it and I would have thought it was the greatest version ever because I was standing there uh, but, but I think objectively they nailed it I loved it yeah this is this is interesting to talk about because yeah you mentioned 65 shows which you think about you know 2003 they're playing so many it doesn't seem like that long but it had been three years so that, that's that's a serious break for this and it it does get off to kind of a rough start it's that some of the guitar is is not not on par. And again, you give them a break, and if you're there, you don't you don't care. And Cameron kind of picks it up a little bit, but then it, the ending again is kind of rough a little bit. But yeah, this is just another part of the show, like we talked about with Corduroy and the 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 piece line, and then it's just another thing where there was this was one of the shows that was kind of the genesis of of something and present tense after this be it's it started on it just went straight up from this it just be this was kind of the beginning of it becoming more of a of an appreciated song for them like by them and you think about it too like they three days later they played st louis and opened up with it you know so they they felt confident enough to to keep to keep playing it and it just went on and on and on from there you know as opposed to something like like Love Boat Captor and a half full, a lot of these, you know, ride act songs coming my way. This one came back and, and just went straight to the top and it's it's only increased ever since, which is which is not something you normally say, but it's it's so cool that again that this is kind of the beginning of this moment. I think you mentioned, you know, up until maybe that that last build uh, before going into the breakdown where it is just shrieking. I, I felt like I was almost not listening to the song until that moment, until the last uh, you can spend your time alone, because right from that, you had my attention. And it felt like that's the kind of moment that turns this from a song that's on a record to a song that is a predominantly used song in their rotation. after the flag incident. So I think even like, you know, present tense, which is a slower, much calmer, very soothing song, when he could belt and like you mentioned, just lay into those lyrics, he was just channeling massive aggression and power and emotion and feeling into that song. 
and it, 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 you can feel it. You can feel it. And that could be the evolution and change in that too, where if Ed is, is feeling it, that attracts everybody in the crowd, brings them into it, so they have a moment where they can go home and be like, man, I, I can't wait to get to the bootleg so I can hear this version of Present Tense again. And then it becomes one of those songs where it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm fishing for it again. Let's, let's get it on the 2006 tour. Let's get it in another show in 2003. Like, and for the most part, yeah, you, you do. You get it more often than not. So great to, to go back and kind of dissect the, the, those minuscule parts that make the song so good. Um, ending section of the set is three uh, early, early era songs that, that, you know, I think anybody that was into the band in 1992, 1993 would have loved this. Animal, State of Love and Trust, Blood. Uh, Animal, not ever, ever in this, you know, final part of the set here. So that's got to be a surprise. Not the smoothest performance of Animal, but not going to pay attention to that right now. Um, This, I would just, I would just overall the last three song section here like how is this getting you fired up for the rest of the show and blood is a really good closer to a main set so just talk about how how you enjoyed uh the, the last part of this set well i loved it because that was my favorite pearl jam era you know that that so you know we're running through you know we got a versus song and we have uh a, a 10 outtake song and and you know blood perfect ender to a first set and if i recall like the first encore was like another run of like six old school songs or four or five old school songs in a row so yeah it was, it was basically all 10 and mother yeah. love bone so everything right. that was written before 91 right so so you know it just fit part of that pattern and and in the song or the, the this show i mean it just seemed like, you know, when, when you went corduroy, save you, hail, hail, like it just never slowed down. Even when the song slowed down, the buzz never slowed down. Yeah, I think this this part of the set, I think present tense maybe threw them off a little bit. I want to say like maybe that was kind of a curveball and they, they focused a lot on that. And after they got done with it, it was like, okay like let's just let's kind of get there i didn't think like you mentioned animal is a little bit rough i didn't think these three songs had the same kind of bite that they that they normally do but that's understandable like you're gonna have highs and lows in a set i didn't i didn't think it was terrible i just didn't think it it had the same kind of um oomph that the that some of the other songs had but yeah i thought it was uh an interesting set and you you talked about all those old songs did you guys you guys mentioned there there's do you guys notice there's there's one glaring omission from this this set did you yield uh, yeah there is no yield songs in no the show at all no given a fly yeah i did yeah. notice that yeah i thought that was strange yeah but there's only 24 songs in this set it's it's relatively short right well that was a standard for for what they were doing at the time you know you go around and look for this for this leg of the tour that was about what they were doing 24 25 26 so yeah, just very strange. I think we've maybe done one other show on on the podcast that that was like that. I remember we we maybe talked about it one other time, but there aren't very many after after two thousand that don't have any yield song. Yeah, it's that's that's uh, it's that's a that's a little bit of a throw off because I always th- when I when I think of two thousand three, I, I think of just evolution. That's 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 the song that really sticks out in this era. You know, just 
especially after that MSG show. But even before that, I think we talked about it at Nassau Coliseum. Like that was a pretty crazy version with the crowd's participation and everything. So, yeah. And, you know, just kind of echoing off what you were saying that it didn't have that bite. My expectations for blood post 1996 are so low now that if, it does spark me. I, I will mention something, but this one, you know, I, I, I thought it was fine. And if you're going to get it in 2003, this is exactly what I'm expecting from it. So fine, fine way. If, if you're, if you love the versus era, if you love the early stuff, then I think that this was a section that you absolutely adore. But um, as far as, you know, looking back in hindsight, you're probably saying that eh, should have ended a little bit stronger I can agree with that, but that's all right because it's all like we always say, it doesn't matter what we're saying because we're just listening to a bootleg. The guy who went to the show is right here and his opinion is, is, uh, is the most important. And he's saying he loved this section. So that's what you should take out of it. Um, all right, before we get to the encore, let's do our little promotion uh, Patreon stuff that's going on lately. Um, Friday's the deadline to get back to us about the holiday party. So we're doing a holiday party and we're also doing a gift exchange. And this is not just for Patreon, Patreon members. This is for everybody. So if you're, and this is just something that we want to do is like a thank you for the fans and just sort of a fuck you to, to 2020 end on a, on a good note, so to speak. And uh, we're going to have some live music, Matt, who we mentioned before, his band is going to be playing. Um, they put together a set list of 10 to 11 Pearl Jam songs. I only know three of them because I requested them. So a lot of it will be a nice little surprise to me. But we're just going to we're going to do this uh, a little secret Santa and, and um, you'll get somebody's name randomly and they'll have uh, a, a little bit of a wish list, so to speak. Um, and you know, everybody gets a gift from like 20 to $30 in, in value. Just send it, send it out to them. We'll, we'll open them up, uh, right on the zoom call and, and just kind of enjoy each other's company and anything to add on to that, John, like, I, you know, it, it's just, again, something that we just want to give back to you guys and feel like we can celebrate, you know, the community and the fans a little bit more one, one last time for this really shitty year. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and it, like you said, it's it's a way to kind of to give the middle finger to to this year one last time. Like let's 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 try to make make something out of this last last couple of months. And yeah, it's it's you know I'm looking I'm just for me I'm just looking forward to seeing everybody again. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be you know it's gonna just gonna be fun. So yeah, the the live music thing is gonna be great. That's gonna be a lot of fun. So yeah, hope people hope people will sign up and uh, and join us. Yep. So the deadline for that is going to be Friday, the 20th. If you're listening to it before then, if you're listening to it after then deadline is over. So that's just to get in touch with us to be part of the gift exchange. All you got to do right now, I will send you information. All you have to do is send us an email live on four legs, the number four live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email headline Christmas party, uh, gift exchange, whatever you want. And just said, just tell us, I want to be part of it. We will send you information from there and, uh, then we will move on and we will have a, uh, very happy holiday. Um, but yeah, we, we also have stuff going on on Patreon, but I want to Glenn, since you're the guest here, um, how have you 
liked being a patron for us and and what can you tell the listener who might not be a patron uh that you know what you can get and expect from uh from what we offer oh sure yeah i I love being a patron particularly the uh the audio releases that are only available to patreon members uh the devolution where y'all you guys break down a song and and show like the I think the show is called Devolution, but it shows the evolution. Well, <laughs> so you, you sorry, like, got it. There is an evolution, and then there is a de- Devo. So okay. the Devo is uh, just us fucking around, but the evolution is where we really, yeah, that's where evolution episodes are what I really right. enjoy. Um, but you know, it, it just be a Patreon. I mean, it, 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 during quarantine, I mean, you guys got me through. I don't know, seven hundred miles of walking. You know, wow. over. You know, every day I'm walking during quarantine back, you know, in March and April and May. And, and it, you guys got me through it. I listened to your shows. And so you know, just give back, you know, d- donate to Patreon, keep this show moving. You guys do great work. You do great things. You, like you said, you have the Christmas party uh, you're setting up. I mean, just be a part of the community and get in and do it. Uh <laughs> I'll just have to cut that bite and put that into every episode we do from now on. Cause I can't, I, I never know what to say. Cause I don't like, you know, being the person to be like, Hey, join our Patreon, but we, we do it. Cause you know, we're John and I are both, you know, not working and we're dealing with quarantine as much as anybody else, but we are dealing with quarantine the best we can by doing this podcast. And you know, we reach into our own pockets to, to do a lot of the, the, that kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, any help that anybody from, uh, you know, outside of this gives us, we like to just give them as much back. Like Glenn, you're telling your story on the show today. That's a huge part of what we want to give back to the patrons is the ability to come on the show and, and, and tell your story. Cause that's to me, I think that's, that's my favorite thing about, uh, about having the patrons there and getting involved and, and, uh, and communicating with them. So if that's something that you want to do and you want to be a patron, patreon.com slash live on four legs. And uh, there's so many things like, like you said, the episodes uh, will have a release evolution episode sometime pretty soon. I know that there's a holiday coming up soon, so uh, maybe not until after the holiday, but it, it'll be there. Uh, be on the lookout for it. Uh, another Bridge School episode will be coming soon, so there's a lot of stuff on the horizon. Look out for it. Uh, and yeah, just even, even if you're not a part of the Patreon community, you guys have been just killing it. We've been having some really good Twitter discussions lately, and uh, yeah, it's been helping us out for a little bit of a re- research project that we've been doing. So um, head on over patreon.com slash live on four legs if you want to support the show. Let's get back into the main event, and that would be the encore. Ed starts off by thanking Atlanta. And uh, John, I'm sure you love this because you love this song. We <laughs> well, I, would have out- been, I would have been screaming, play it! Play it! <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh. I would have gotten my hopes up, absolutely. If, if, if the odds maker was putting a wager on this, what, were, what would the odds be that they would play Olympic Platinum at this show or at any show, probably. God, you put in a dollar, you're making a good two, chunk of change. Two thousand to one, five thousand to one, yeah, ten thousand to one. I think yeah. it's, I think it's in the five thousand, ten, ten thousand yeah. range. Especially the way he talks about it here, where he said 
we didn't think you guys would allow us back in after that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that Olympic Platinum is very high on their uh, success list. But, you know, I think you did it on uh, Better Man podcast. And that was a pretty cool yeah. episode because you talked about the Olympics in Atlanta at the time. So mm-hmm. I should, love the song. You should listen to the Better Man podcast for that episode for sure. And John and I are always on that show. So. Brandon is doing as hard and as good a work as we're doing. So help him and support him out. Uh, but here is such an interesting and just, I would think with some of the other surprising stuff that we had in the main set, like this has to just top all of it. Um, we get a little bit of the Chloe dancer tease. They don't do the whole thing, but places say it's the first time that they had ever done that. I think that's false because I, I personally think, and nobody has notated this, but I heard it when they did it at Vegas. Am I right on? Because we did this recently, John. Yeah, I, I don't. It was think very that subtle. Was, I just think I just think they did the the very last note of it to lead into Crown of Thorns. I don't think they, I don't think it was officially a, a Chloe dancer tease. I think they just, that was just the intro to Crown of Thorns. That, but this one is, uh, yeah, it's, it gets called the first Chloe dancer, but it is just barely anything. It's just Brendan O'Brien playing the riff like a couple of times and then they kick into it. It's, it, it wasn't really until I think Toronto that they really did the full version. Right, right. That makes sense. But yeah, you know, you get, Hometown boy, Brennan O'Brien. You go back to that version in Vegas. He played it on uh, uh, there in Vegas with them. Um, Crown of Thorns. This is the third time they ever busted out. And you're almost thinking that after that Vegas show they did it in Seattle too, that would probably be it with this, this song, that it would probably just be stuck in that era. But, you know, every now and again, especially very early on, you know, nowadays i think it's more often than than not uh but this is pretty rare this is a pretty rare and special moment Uh, how how kind of is this like up there on a a a holy shit kind of moment where you don't believe what you're hearing it it was you were talking i was thinking you know as someone that by this point in time have been a pearl jam fan for for 11 years you, you know crown of thorns that's like a white whale that you don't even know is on your white whale list. It's so far. You, this is not on my radar that I'm going to hear this. So, you know, Crown of Thorns to me was I'm only going to ever see this when I go to YouTube and do the 2000 Vegas show. That's the only time I'm ever going to see the song live. So when I heard it, I couldn't believe it. And the guy I was with had no clue what it was. He was a Pearl Jam fan, but he didn't dive deep into pre-Pearl Jam. And he was just looking at me like, why are you spazzing so much about this song? And this, this is another one too, where it's, it kind of was the beginning of it coming back because it, it came back a couple of months later in New York. It, it came back a bunch in 2005, then it really hit in 2006. And it's, it's been, it's been a solidly ever since this, you know, it, this is another one where this was part of the, part of the genesis of them maybe realizing like hey you know this works let's keep it around yeah only 32 performances all time which feels really yeah. low um especially like i'm sort of jaded in that aspect because i went to 
I think my total in 2013 was five shows. I remind John of that a lot, and he loves when this thing. Five shows in 2013, John. That, that's my record of any year that I hope to break someday soon. soon. Uh, but I, I heard it in three of those shows. One being Wrigley, and then Brooklyn and Hartford. So at the time, while I know, and, and I'm familiar with the live version and, you know, especially them doing it with Chloe Dancer because of the, the Toronto, uh, uh, I, I believe Toronto was like a free gift from Amazon Music or something like that, uh, Toronto yeah. 2011. So I was familiar, I familiarized myself with that version and got really excited when I heard it at Wrigley. So I thought that at that time that, yeah, they were doing it a lot more, but this is really, I think before all that, this is this is where this was supposed to be a special moment kind of that you don't go back to at all. Yeah, I think it just has to do with, with Brendan being there, you know, and like, hey, remember we did that thing? Let's do that thing again. Um, but yeah, as far as musically, I want to mention too the the solo section is outstanding like it really goes somewhere really interesting and cool that that vegas didn't so they were they really take it to a a really cool place i thought it was musically also just one of the highlights just not as far as history wise just musically as well yeah no i I, the first version was kind of while it was fantastic and amazing in its own right i think that they were just still trying to feel it out and, and i think at this point at least they were like okay we know we don't fuck this up and we know we're doing right by it so yeah we can play around it we can make it sound uh fuller uh and i think that that's what you kind of get out of that solo section especially mike you know didn't help write the song wasn't part of that writing process not his song not his band so uh that familiarity that he has with it after the the two song times that they played in uh in Yeah, great moment, and the crowd gives it a standing ovation afterwards. I'm gonna guess that Ed gives everybody a hug. How do you top it? You kind of can't, but the other three songs in this encore make it seem like, okay, everything here feels pretty big. Black fills the room with the beginning, the the haze, while uh, Stone plucks away in his garage. Give me your analysis on this version of Black, Glenn, because... You were talking about it before, just the way that Stone was sounding. And he's playing a Gretsch, but he's doing something sort of interesting, you're saying. Yeah, so this, uh, of 
of the shows I've gone to, this is my favorite performance of Black. Uh, um, again, when you're there and there's a certain energy and taste in the air, Black was that perfect comfort moment that just kind of calmed everything down a bit. Um, I, 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 the, the singing was spot on. The, the, the instruments were phenomenal. And Stone, it seemed to be actively involved in the solo. the solo right along with him but you don't really hear I don't hear it when I go back and listen to it and of course I can't see it on the video because there's no video but I remember watching that and telling the guy I was with I was like I, I've never seen Stone do this but, but I don't play guitar so I can't tell you what it was but it's something he was fully engaged almost like he's playing a solo at the same time Mike was playing his solo yeah, that, that's that's cool. That's cool, and and we've been on a really really good run of of blacks lately. I've, I've I'll mention it almost every show that like they've just been tearing apart. And this one, my God, McCready during the solo is unbelievable. Holy, this might be the best one we've we've heard in a, in a long long time. Like just amazing, just soaring takes it to. The, another stratosphere it's unbelievable and again it goes back to goes back to vegas too how are you going to follow crown of thorns with black yeah, that's that's the only thing that they, they can follow it so it makes perfect sense oh boy they're another level good at this stage in the game and it's so great to see it develop and to see them really hit and it's not like they didn't hit their stride in 98 2000 but here they're just like they know they know how good they are and they don't have to, they don't have to think about it. They, they just, they just go out there and they feel it and it's, it's phenomenal. Okay. That's, I see what you're saying before because I wrote off the beginning and now I, I 100% remember what you were talking about. Uh, the way that alive was sort of kicked off here. Um, and I guess when you fall, just kind of try to fall with style. Thank you. 
disappeared for a moment huh. and got the jumbled alive intro oh, that's interesting too and I'm, I don't know if you guys are and this is something we we almost never talk about it's kind of a forgotten part of, of this, this tour in history I don't think we've we might have even never covered it on the show before but if you guys remember they were doing a thing called free jazz at, at the time where and they had actually done it the night before in Nashville if you go back and look they had played free jazz so what I think happened here is Stone hits the wrong note and then they just decide to go into free jazz so it's really a, a tagged version of free jazz before alive I think we should we should shake in and get talk to live footsteps and get him to uh, get him to add another performance of free jazz on there you know I won't say I didn't think of that because I actually when before going into the show I thought that this show had free jazz I, mm-hmm. I fully came into doing the research on this thinking we were getting free jazz and we, we do we but get we it do. <laughs> yeah. you're right we have another streak that continues do you know what it is what is it does the do, does the we, we we did we did get a never vote Republican and even flow? I so didn't that even catch that. Back I, on. I was, that's that streak is back on. I am that that streak was out of my head at this point. Um, yeah. No, uh, the war pick streak right is war now picks. at four, and Excellent. we are at two war pigs in porch because this war picks happens in porch and not, yeah. not live. Yeah. We have two war pigs in porch and two in a live. So I think last week was in a live. So, interesting little streak that we have going on here, but not one, like, you can't complain about that whenever, and it feels, always feels improv, it always feels like Jeff is doing a little bit something on it, and then Mike follows up, and and they kind of get into it, but I think bigger than that is sort of uh, what Ed notices in the crowd. What do you remember of this moment with uh, all of uh, President number 43, all of his... uh, his clones in the crowd. Yeah. So some guys just to my left had George Bush masked in the crowd. And I, 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 to my knowledge, guys, you guys know more than I do. Has there ever been a moment where Ed has brought multiple people out of a crowd onto a stage to engage in almost like a, a theatrical show? I, I mean, he did the, he did the, the the guy with the dreads got his dreads shaved off. He did something like that. Okay. Uh, there was another moment where he cut somebody's hair, but like, there's been a few, but it's very rare. Yeah, no, it doesn't happen very often. I think this is one, especially coming off of Nashville, where he actually wore the mask and did the whole mask stick. Um, that he notices them and he's like, "Okay, everybody needs to see this," and brings them all out. And the way he introduces them is is freaking hilarious I'd like to introduce you a good friend of ours 
Himself almost like I, I, he's saying I did this to myself. I, I I made people go out there and, and buy bush masks to 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 wear at these shows and get get my attention. And guess what? It worked. So right. it, and it became a moment. And I, actually, I kind of want to know: was this a divided moment in the crowd, or were people digging this? All right. So again, I, I keep going back to this, but the show was very you know there was a lot of angst. And then, and then it was very heavy emotion with, you know, crown of thorns and black. It's almost like he just let the steam valve off and really broke the mood. And my recollection of the crowd is everyone was laughing and taking it in a good spirit. That's so good. It, it wasn't Nassau at all. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so it, it's nice to know that, that John, your home, home state, Glenn, your, your current state, is more uh, toler- tolerant than my uh, my home state or home <laughs> territory, uh, because yeah, that uh, di- different crowd for sure. Right, and, and we should mention too. There's Island's not the there's, South, damn it. <laughs> there's a, there's a picture. I think they end up they end up putting him on their shoulders, or they're holding him up at some point, and yeah, he, that's he makes a joke like, "Oh, it's nice to be supported by the government for once." <laughs> Yeah, he was laying down across. Right, right. This and Porch is the the ender of of the first encore, but he comes right out after the second encore and said, "This is a matter of national security. I shouldn't be telling you this." The bushes are partying backstage right now. Pretty heavy. I think it's, it's kind of historical. It's the, it's the first time we've ever had cocaine backstage at a Pearl Jam show. Hey, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, you know, when you're under that kind of stress, you know, have a good night out if we can help that. That did get a few bo- a few boos, I think. Did it? I think that, uh, yeah, I think I heard I some, think some right. dissension in the crowd at that point. So Ed gets into a little bit of a ramble, talks about uh, cutting funding for, for veterans and cutting health care for veterans, and then gets really adamant when he mentions education. He's like, an education, what the hell are they doing? Like, we, we should be paying our teachers more. And, uh, you know, kind of mentions he's practicing this whole uh, free speech thing. So cool moment. And, and this, is, this is the politically charged Ed that we're used to at this time. Yes, and the crowd was very restless. It, 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 there was just an edge, you know. We, we, the edge kind of went away, actually. Ironically, during porch with the George Bush mask on stage, it lightened. It became a lightened air, and then here it came right back. 
with his speed. That's that, you know, that, that happens with him because he gets in this mindset and he's like, he just, he keeps pouring it on. And I think from the fan that, you know, isn't the, the loyal, the, the hardcore loyal fan, the, the person that just wants to go see a rock concert. I think they're thinking to themselves, like, that's enough. Like, I get that you have your view and opinion, but even if they agree or disagree with them, they're, they're like, I, I just want to see you play, man. Yeah. And, you get to shut up and play people. Right. 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 It's, it's not as rampant here at all. It's not like Nassau. It's not even close to what Nassau is or, or maybe what Na- Nashville was, but like, I, I think he, he kind of at this point, he's so angry. He doesn't know when to stop. You know, yeah, he, he can't control himself. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and maybe that's why he, he starts his encore playing uh, an acoustic Beatles cover because that's the only way he, they can get him to calm down. He plays got to hide your love away. And it's only the sixth performance at this point. So it's very early. This is one of those, uh, 2003 covers like you know give me some truth another uh, Beatles tie-in another John Lennon song uh, that are really from this era that started and, and kind of unraveled uh, so it's it's cool to sort of see how this one started he's also at this time not playing harmonica at a lot of shows either. yeah we covered the the first one of these I think from Nagoya uh, back early this year in the around the world that was cool so yeah this is a cool cover what do you think Glenn uh, probably an unpopular opinion, but I, I'm not a I'm not I'm not a big Beatles fan. <laughs> <laughs> Apology, I I respect them. I'm not not a big fan. It was fine, and I just wanted the next song to be honest. I can see that, especially it's not the full band; it's just Ed. Like, it's only a two-minute song, but yeah, it's it's you'd rather have an extra two minutes on Crazy Mary. Yeah, I agree. So it's a boom moment. It's a mic moment. Everybody is, is taking some of the spotlight and sharing the wealth and, and taking the bottle, drinking it down, passing it around. And I think uh, maybe a couple joints in there as well. It feels like that, that you know, that stoner uh, kind of vibe mentality, just all chilled out. And uh, I, who's the dual winner here, John? Oh, it's... I it's, know who you're going to say. Oh, it's, it's McCready. Absolutely. But... You know, boom, boom puts up a good show. He he goes off in, in his own right. I don't, I don't mean that to diminish him at all. He, he's he lets it all hang out. But when McCready comes in, he just takes over. But yeah, another one, another one with that acoustic intro that when we get it was very cool. And uh, yeah, this is a, a great jam at the end. And again, one of the one of the genesis, like we talked about, two thousand three was when they really started, you know, kind of doing the thing. And this this might have been one of the one of the first ones where they. They went back and forth a little bit instead of doing playing co-op mode. This is pretty rare before this time, so this is probably the first time you saw this, right? Uh, I saw it in 2000. You, know, you did? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, that, and you're not getting any boom at that time. It's a completely different song. Then. Right. Totally different song. And in 2000, you know, Ed went down to the front, to the front row, sharing his wine bottle, uh, which was unique to see at that point in time. Uh, yeah, it was a great version. I love it. I mean, that, I'll take that song every show. Now, because there are no bootlegs or anything coming out at the time, was this something that you were hoping for and anticipating? Because it, it was passed around that, yeah, they were doing Crazy Mary, and it sounds a lot different. 
with, with Boom? Was this something that you were anticipating seeing? Or? Anticipating, no. Wanted to see, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Def- um, but then, like I said, the last time I had seen it was 2000, and I saw it. So there wasn't the thirst for it. Like, i got to see it. I haven't seen it. Right. But I love the song live. I mean, it's just a phenomenal live song. Yeah, and, and like I mentioned before, you know, I, John's not far off in saying that this is a Mike Spotlight because he's just going off on this. I, I love Boom to Death. And uh, he puts up his fight, and he is phenomenal in this. And he's just doing all those high parts. That it just feels like the ballpark organ organist on on crack or on speed, essentially. And it it sounds so good. And he's he's really finding. He's so new in this band at the time too. He's starting to find his groove. You know, he's starting. Boom is starting to be boom. And I think there was a Philly show not far after this probably like the week after this show and um there was i think in one of the philadelphia newspapers the night after the show there was a review and one of the paragraphs started off by saying pearl jam fans know what they want and they don't want the keyboard because they thought that the crowd was booing (laughs) (laughs) instead of saying boo yeah so yeah, I mean, that's how that's how early this is, and now Boom is obviously a very important live stage, and should be in every every promo and every uh, everything that they do should should involve Boom. But um, and obviously Crazy Man is is his one that gets the first the first song of the night and almost the last song for him. To close the set, Bob O'Reilly, Yellow Leadbetter. Um, the crowd sounds so good on Baba. Everybody gets that moment and just kind of, you know, passes the the mic along to them, and they get to sing back to them. Um, yeah, what's you know, this is kind of your segue into this being your your goodbye. So, what are you feeling here? Well, yeah, th- that's my first point. Is you know, the end is near, mm-hmm. um, which is bittersweet. Um, but now you're just having fun, right? Like I said earlier, Ed kind of let the steam out of the room uh, during porch with the the masks. And so now it was just, it was more of a house party, so to speak. You know, Uh, he he really lightened everyone down with the Beatles cover. And then, you know, Crazy Mary with the dueling organ guitar and then Babbo O'Reilly. You know, you're sad. You're like, it's over. This may be it. This could be the last song. Um, but you had, you, you know, you saw a great show and he was, the, the lights were actually up for both Babbo O'Reilly and Yellow Ledbetter. So, you know, when the lights come up, I'm assuming Baba's it. So I was, you know, for me, the quintessential closing song at a Pearl Jam show is Yellow Ledbetter. I mean, they do it a lot. And would I probably rather see Indifference, you know, as a closer once? Yes. But to go to a Pearl Jam show, you know, when, when they play, when they play even flow, you know, you're at a Pearl Jam show, you, you know where you are. And when you hear yellow lead better, you know, you've seen, you know, another world-class great concert by the best band in America. You know, it's just that, it's, you know, that for me, that was it. You know, I, I thought the show was over and it wasn't, we got Baba, then yellow lead better. 
this is kind of an, an Iraq War version of Yellow Ledbetter that we were getting a lot at this oh, time. The, yeah, they were doing he, that a lot. You're he right, really changed he changed the lyrics. lyrics to tell more tell the story of of that of the Iraq War. It talks about about a, his brother and like mm-hmm. that just goes to kind of put put it home, yeah. yeah to put a cap on what what Glenn was saying about the kind of the political nature of the show. I thought that was that was a nice touch. You were getting that. You started getting that a lot in two thousand three through through 2006 2008 so that was cool as ed says atlanta rocks little did he know that he wouldn't be saying that for another nine years and really really wouldn't be saying that again much and jeff isn't saying that we know that for sure but you know because we uh have run into some interesting uh uh change of politics in georgia who knows Maybe our hashtag PJ play ATL will uh, will come to fruition whenever there's shows that come to fruition, because we have no idea when that's going to happen. So we need that to happen first and then Atlanta be added into the fold. So, all right. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to pick three moments. I think there are a lot of really good moments from this show, but um, Glenn, I'll let you pick three first uh, and, you know, just sort of kind of sum up what, what this was to you. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, I'm, I'm number one for me was black. It, it, definitely number one. Uh, Mike's guitar solo was. I mean, it's just it's it's you know it, it's most everyone's, myself included. You know, one of your favorite Pearl Jam songs, and to hear it played at a, a level ten perfection for me, that's number one. Number two, uh, present tense because it's my favorite Pearl Jam song and I, and I finally got to see it live. And at that point in time, I thought this is so rare. It's not so rare. It's rare now, but in fact, like I've seen it a lot now, but then I didn't think I was ever going to get to see it. So I got to see it. That would be number two. Um, probably three for me would be that song stretch. Uh, Corduroy save you hail, hail grievance. That, that run right there would just set the tone for the night. That's my number three. Can't go wrong with any of those. Very solid. John, what do you got? Um, for my three moments, I will say uh, Half Full, uh, number three, just just blew me away. And uh, not not a song that normally does that. But, yeah, while I was listening to it, again, just jumped off the speakers. I thought it was amazing. Uh, my number two is is going to be Black. I, I'm with Glenn. Like, an, uh, an amazing solo just have been we've been really on a good on a good streak of these lately and this was just uh just keeps going it just keeps getting better and better and uh my number one i was i was tempted to say present tense because again the, the first time they brought it back in in three years and it was kind of the beginning we talked about but i don't think it was quite there yet but so my number one is going to be is going to be the crown of thorns and the uh the Chloe Dancer tease there. I thought it was fantastic and just an, an amazing treat for the fans there. Yeah, I, um, I'm i going to go a little bit different than you guys, and I'm going to kind of prove a point that, you know, while there were huge moments in the show, like Black and Crown of Thorns, there were also little things about this show that, like, you go back to and just listen to these performances, and they're just just excellent and the two that i'm thinking about that i mentioned before we didn't really get to talk about these songs individually too much but hell hell and insignificance to me performances at the show were top freaking notch i absolutely loved 
uh, both of these performances and, and, you know, we might've glossed over them because there were more important things to talk about, but yeah, like this, they were the glue to this show for sure. And then I'm, I'm like, I'm on the half full train at this show. I like, this is a good McCready show. And I think, you know, maybe it's because, you know, I, I wasn't really thinking in that terms of just them being a little bit more pissed off politically after, uh, after the flag incident, but you really, you kind of do feel it in that version of half full after that. And it really does elevate it. It takes it to another level. And, and, you know, again, another great McCready show, but we don't hear half full anywhere being this good ever. So uh, I'll I'll have to give it the nod here and um, it's going to make it, it's going to make it an interesting rating. Um, I will, uh, I'll, I'll go first since I'm talking, I'm going to give this an eight and a half. Um, I think this is like 2003. I think this is B plus tier and it only gets overshadowed because those other shows are, they were in the top 30 of the best moments that, that we put out. Like they are almost unbeatable and you have to put them on a bigger tier um, so I, I think this is, this is very, very solid B plus show though. And, and, um, and maybe not even B plus, maybe B plus is a, not a great way to put that, but like eight and a half is a really, really solid rating. I don't think you have many shows from 2003 that are under eight. So this is, this is above that threshold. Yeah. And I'll, uh, I'll say too, that when I, you know, coming into this, I wasn't expecting it to be in that range because you know there's there's a lot of things that we've talked about as we've as we've gone through and and hearing some of the things from glenn have been been great stories and i'm gonna i'm gonna elevate this up to a nine i mean coming into this i i would have been in maybe thought i would be in the seven and a half eight range but so many like you said so many little things the the corduroy piece thing half four being amazing you know glorified g being brought back present tense being brought back the crown of thorns for the third time ever just so many so many little little things from the show that make it little intangible things that that make it really special so i'm i'm gonna bump it up to a nine talk to the guy that was actually there the guy that that made the moments that had the moments glenn your overall rating for this show and it could be personal it could be in the pearl jam universe whatever it is to you whatever it means to you I'm going to go, I would go nine. Um, I was, I was thinking eight and a half to be honest, when you said an eight and a half was a B plus, I was like, I have to go nine. <laughs> it's an A minus. It's clearly an A minus. Yeah. We're ganging up on you now. The, the Georgia <laughs> contingents ganging up on you now. Uh, that's all right. But when, yeah. Right, but you know, to, to what John said is why I would go nine. Same, same reason. It was a birth of a lot of, New things that at the time were new at the time that are common now, uh, and then the, the just the you know getting crown of thorns, um, present tense coming back, yeah, it's just a lot of new, so I'll give it a nine. Yeah, I look, I eight, eight and a half is only a half a point away from nine, so I'm not going to be like, it's oh, a you B guys plus. Are wrong, it's a B, yeah, plus it's, a, it's a B, it's a B plus, but you know, are, are, are you disappointed if you get a B plus? And you deserve an A minus, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm not changing my rating though. <laughs> well, this was fun. Uh, it's always so good to go back and talk about the shows with the people that are there because it's just it's 
almost I kind of equate it to like when you, when veterans sit around at a Burger King and uh, talk about their war stories. Like these are our versions of war stories because we were, you know, we didn't we didn't go to war, but these feel sometimes they feel like they're battles uh, to get there. And especially you said, you know, you had a six hour trip. Uh, just to get back to your hometown, just to make it there. So like, that's part of the story. That's part of the battle. So, so important. Yeah. And uh, we thank you again for uh, not only coming on, but your continued patronage and your continued uh, interest in just the community and, and people like you that, you know, give so much back to this is what holds it together. We don't go out here and, and want to do these shows and want to talk about this without that kind of support. So from us, so many thank yous for everything that, uh, that you bring to the table for us. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, John. Greatly appreciate all you do. Uh, like I said, you've gotten a lot in this, a lot of us through a rough summer. Uh, so keep it up, keep it up. Really appreciate it. Much to be done. <laughs> Much to be done. That's right. I love it. So, all right. Um, we should close it out, but before we do, let's mention next week's show. Uh, we, I guess next week's a holiday. It's Thanksgiving, which is kind of insane to say. It, it feels like the whole year has been November. I've told my wife that a thousand times. It feels like we've been living in November since November 2019 uh, because it's just one of the it's one of the worst months. Like November and February just suck. Um, especially this year, like there's no hockey or basketball on there's nothing to do. So, um, yeah, we're, so our pre Thanksgiving show is going to be Buenos Aires 2013. So Lollapalooza 2013, that's probably the first Lollapalooza we've ever done. So that's going to be interesting. And yeah, we're yeah. going back around the world too. So that's right. always good. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, we're excited to do it. So, uh, back on the horse. And then for the rest of the year, we got like probably three or four more full shows. And then we're going to do some special stuff at the end and beginning. So, uh, yeah, just finish off 2020 strong. And, uh, like we said before, sprinting towards the finish line. Exactly. Like we said before, we're, we're doing the holiday party too. So, uh, you know, if you want to get involved with that, please email us live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, we'll, and even if you can't make the gift exchange, if you just want to go, just want to hang out with people, uh, we, you are more than welcome to. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we can't wait. We can't wait to celebrate with everybody. So, uh, on that note, we shall close it out for the night. This may be the end we're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. I miss you always. Thank you so much, Glenn, for your stories for today. And I'm sure we'll see you on the podcast at some point soon. Yeah, we'll see you. I'll see you at a show sometime soon. Uh, yeah, in 2022, we will see you there. We'll be hopefully, there. I'll be, we'll all be at Nashville. Uh, well, hopefully Atlanta. I'll de- we'll definitely be in Nashville, but hopefully Atlanta. Yeah, we I shall hope so. see. All right. Uh, thank you. Yep. But until then, uh, we'll see. We'll see the rest of you next week. Hashtag PJ Play ATL. I'll be like Dwight Stone. I'll be like Bruce Jenner. I'll be like that girl who trained all her life as a distance runner and then tripped with a quarter mile to go. But I, I will get up and I will run. I will run with the Georgia Peach Breeze and I, 
I will win. I will win my my Olympic.